0: Welcome to the Equipress Church Budapest podcast. We hope today's message will encourage and inspire you. For more information, check equipresschurch.hu. Hello, everybody. <laughs> you can't sneak out when you're the, when you're the speaker, apparently. <laughs> it is so good to be back here. And um, I want to start with one of my favorite little stories Um, It's about um, a young mother. She had two little boys, three and five, and she made some pancakes. But one of the pancakes was a lot bigger than the other pancakes. So how many already know what happened with two little boys, and they both want the big pancake, right? And so they start fighting. And so she turns to them, and she says, now, boys, what would Jesus do? She thought, I'll, I'll turn this into a teachable moment. And of course, they both went, oh, Jesus would give his brother the big pancake. Right? And then as she walked away, she was so pleased that they said that. But as she walked away, she heard the older brother say to the younger brother, okay, you be Jesus. Jesus. I love that story. You know, we are we know how we're supposed to act. We just keep hoping someone else will be Jesus to us. But God is asking us to be like him and us to be Jesus in the situation. And I want to talk about that tonight. We're starting a new series. It's called We to Me, right? Or... We is bigger than me. Yeah. Yeah. It's no longer me. It's we is, is what one of my points was tonight. So it's kind of cool that we both matched tonight. Yeah. So here's the thing. God made us in his image and he, God, exists in relationship with himself. And when he made Adam, he looked at Adam when he was on his own and he said, it's not good for you to be alone. And he knew that we were made for relationship. And God is not into disposable relationships. He wants us to work on our relationships. And the Bible is full of shattered, broken people who are in restoration in relationships with others. It's it's an incredible book about that. We're not left guessing what a healthy relationship should look like either. God is really clear, right from the Ten Commandments. He starts with the first four, right? No other God, nothing even like me, no other name and no other day, that is how you relate to me. But then the next six are all about how we relate to each other. He says, you know, honor your mom and dad, don't kill, don't have sex with people you're not married to, don't steal, don't gossip and ruin people's reputations and don't covet. If we kept those 10, we'd be in good shape, wouldn't we? If we just kept those. And then in Deuteronomy, he starts to say, oh, by the way, if we wanna summarize those, it means love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love each other, your neighbor as yourself. Summarizing the 10. And then God demonstrated what this looks like in how he has a relationship with us. There's five essentials in a relationship, right? There's respect, honesty, commitment, acceptance, and forgiveness. And what does God do? You know what's amazing? God listens to us. Isn't that crazy to think? We can pray to him, and he listens to us. He also talks to us. He's very honest with us. He's very vulnerable. He says, oh, this is what this looks like. This is what I need. And if you do this, this is how I will feel. And this is what will happen. He's really very good at what's called assertive talking. (laughs) He's very clear. And he commits to us. He keeps his covenants. He keeps his promises. He shows us how to do relationship. He accepts us. He embraces us. He also forgives us. Isn't that incredible? How many of you had to repent of something even today, maybe even in the worship service, and immediately you felt the Lord just saying, I receive you back. I receive you back. He modeled all this. But when he was about to go to Calvary to die for us, which of course was the ultimate modeling of his love for us, he turns to his disciples and he says this, he says, there's been the 10. We've talked about the two, but I want you to remember one. If you forget everything else, I want you to remember this one. And this one is that you must love one another as I have loved you. Because this is how they'll know you love me. So here's the thing. How I treat you reveals my love for God. How I treat my husband, and he's so excited to hear this tonight, (laughs) reveals my love for God. And that's how other people will know that I'm God's disciple, is if I treat you well. It's all about Humility, though, isn't it? And in Philippians 2, 3 to 8, um, I I know that Zora's catching up with me back there, and you can give her a round of applause. There's a lot of scriptures tonight, okay? (laughs) Philippians 2, verses 3 to 8 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. The standard has been set, and it's a high standard. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather made himself nothing, And took the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's high. That's a high standard, isn't it? But we're not meant to do it on our own. Holy Spirit wants to live in us and help us do the same. But the point I want to make is nothing gives me the right to live selfishly. Nothing gives me the right to think of myself as better than you. I'm not talking about coming to church and and agreeing with everybody. We may never agree with everybody, but we can start to understand. We can start to learn to serve and to love and to bear with one another. And I'm not saying we have to be best friends with everybody. Uh, Sometimes we come with some false assumptions to church, and we're going to talk about those. And I'm also not talking about making unholy friendships where other people become more important to us than God. We have to keep it really clear what we're saying and what we're not saying tonight, okay? But I'm reminded (laughs) that we are to be the body of Christ, and we are to live in a very special way. And there's the Ten Commandments, there's the Two Commandments, there was the One Commandment, and then look at what happens in the New Testament where they're trying to unpack these, these commandments again. I want you to run that video for me, Zora, and let's just look at some of these. There are 59 one another's. We are not left wondering how we're supposed to treat each other. We're supposed to love one another, stop passing judgment, accept one another, instruct, agree with one another, serve one another, bear with one another, be compassionate to one another, forgive one another, submit to one another, bear, forgive, teach, admonish, build each other up, encourage one another daily. Are we, are we getting the point yet? It goes on, it goes on. Live in harmony, don't slander. Offer hospitality to one another. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Have fellowship with one another. And you thought it was finished, are you with me? We should love one another, 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 love each other, confess your sins, don't grumble, love each other. Love, live in peace, encourage, encourage, love, 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 bear, forgive, do not lie, agree with each other, be compassionate to each other, carry each other's burdens, don't be destroyed by each other, wait for each other, (laughs) encourage each other's faith, hold each other together, love your neighbor as yourself. Have you got any questions? do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit nothing 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 it's like god wanted to make this clear it's so clear i don't should i just sit down and we think about that it's so clear and and the rich young ruler how many know that story about the rich young ruler how many let me let me first ask how many don't know the story of the good samaritan anybody out there you've all heard it right This rich young ruler comes and he says to Jesus, having this lovely theological conversation with Jesus, you know how they start. Well, yes, I've kept the law (laughs) and I'm doing really well. And then just to make himself look good, he says, "Um, oh, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus wades into an incredible story because the guy's asking basically, who do I have to love? What's the minimum here is what he's saying. And Jesus says to him very, very carefully, oh, there's no minimum. There's only maximum. I mean, you have to love till it hurts. And here's what the story goes on, right? That he talks about this priest who's coming down the road and somebody's been beaten up and left for dead and the priest has been in church. The the priest is coming down from Jerusalem. He's been up to Jerusalem to have church. He's just had his fill of theological whatever, and he's on his way down, and there's an opportunity to practice his love, and he goes to the other side, right? And then the Levite comes, same thing. And then along comes the Good Samaritan, the person they hated, the person who only had five books of the Bible back then, the person who shouldn't have stopped. And this guy has compassion. And he goes over and he binds up his wounds and he puts him on his donkey. He gets blood on his clothes. And he takes this guy to an inn and he pays for him to be looked after. It's an incredible story. And and I am sure that the rich young ruler had like nothing to say after that. He went away sad because he realized he wasn't really keeping the law after all because law was expressed by love. Law is always expressed by love. And see, here's, here's the thing. This is what we have to ask. If we don't stop to help people, we sometimes think, If I stop to help them, what will happen to me? I'll get blood on my donkey. (laughs) I don't want blood on my donkey. I don't want blood on my clothes. I don't have time for this. I'm actually in a hurry. Someone's waiting for me. But the question we should be asking is if I don't stop to help this person, what will happen to him? Not what will happen to me. What will happen to him? And here's another question. If I treat this person better than they deserve, what will happen to me, I will become more like Christ. (laughs) If I don't treat them better than they they deserve, what will happen to me? Well, I become less like Christ. It changes me. We have to ask the right questions of life. I got thinking about the things that are barriers in our treatment of others and why so many people get hurt in church. Have you heard of that concept before? (laughs) People getting hurt in church. Maybe you're here because you got hurt somewhere else. I don't know. I want you to think about a few things. Sometimes we come with false assumptions or we meet people and we place our values and our motives on them. Uh, Sometimes... um, (laughs) uh, Let me just say there are good reasons and good things to assume about church. So one of them is that your teachers should have biblical uh, grounding. People should all be on a journey towards spiritual maturity There should be love and care evident in a church. There should be outreach in a church. There should be these good things in a church. Those are good things to assume. But when we come and we have an assumption that all of a sudden we're gonna have all this group of very, very best friends and they're all going to like the way we do things and they all wanna hear how we wanna do church, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes I think it comes from our past comes from our church experiences, and just normal life, really. And we don't realize that we've got a lot of these assumptions until somebody doesn't meet them. We have unmet expectations. So for instance, maybe you came here tonight. Well, let's not talk about tonight. Let's just pretend this happened last week, okay? (laughs) Maybe last week you came and you really, really wanted to talk to somebody and you had it in your head. They were the person you were going to talk to and they ignored you. At at least you thought they did. They didn't make, eye contact with you. They walked right by you. They went to talk to somebody else and you went home thinking they hate me. Didn't you? Do you know what I'm saying? Don't we do this? We do this. We think, Oh my goodness, I'm invisible. They, did, they don't like me. They weren't looking for me. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. And by the way, they're just really rude. And we start, don't we? And we put our motives on other people. Or maybe you come and you see the people up here. And, and I'm, I'm old enough that um, I can't jump to sing. And I watch Kika and I think, now oh God, why did you make Kika? She can do that, but look at me, I have to bounce. You know, I'm like I'm at that age. I'm not a jumper. I'm a bouncer, and and I could go home thinking, now God, what were you thinking? My assumption is that I have to be like Kika to worship well, but it's not true. We're all different, and we worship God says in spirit and in truth. Are you with me, Kika? Wherever you are, you don't mind me using you as an illustration, do you? I think she's big enough for that. Yeah, but we assume, don't we, that there's an in crowd. And we figured out who the in crowd is and they look good and they dress cool. And they always, they always look like they, um, make friends easily and that there's nothing wrong in their life. Oh, you are so wrong. (laughs) I am so wrong. You know, we're all broken. We've all got places in our life that are paralyzed, that need the Holy Spirit to come and just release us and free us. We've all got stuff. But we put on a good front, don't we? We, we? we get dressed, we put it all on, and we walk tall, and how are you? Well, I'm fine, bless God, right? But we've all got stuff we're carrying. And don't you sometimes go home at the end of the day and think to yourself, I can't believe I said that. Why did I say that? Have you gone home from church and said, why did I say that to so-and-so? Oh, I was supposed to talk to them. Oh, I never talked. Have you ever gone home because and thought, I made a mistake at church? Of course you have. Guess what? Some of the people you think did something intentionally to you might have gone home and gone, oh my goodness, I never talked to Lynn. We, we tend to put negative motives on other people. And then we have these assumptions that they either hate us, they're ignoring us, or that we're just nothing. And then we start to pull away. Or we we either make ourselves very small or we make ourselves very loud. (laughs) And we do all sorts of really crazy things instead of assume that other people can also make mistakes. I hope this is making sense, because we are being planted here together as a family. We are being called to be the family of God. And families are messy, right? Anybody got a perfect family out there? Put your hand up. I'd like to see you and I'd like to meet your family. (laughs) Because none of us have a perfect family. And this family is not going to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect. But it's going to be trying to live up to love one another as I have loved you. And we're going to make mistakes, but we're going to reconcile. And we're going to talk. And we're going to listen to each other. And we're going to grow together. And we're going to become a family that works. And a family that does love their God and loves each other. But that takes time. How many know good friendships have history, right? We got, to, we got to have history. We haven't got history yet. We're making history as we go. It takes time. And there's this thing called the danger of a single story. Let me explain what I mean by that. So when I tell people I'm from Africa, because uh, I am, I just thought I'd mention, I, <laughs> people go, oh, you just failed my Africa test because I thought all people from Africa were black, right? <laughs> And and actually, there are white people that are born in Africa. And then I tell them, I I lived in a city, and I was at a university where we granted degrees, doctoral degrees, and they just kind of go, no, 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 this is not my Africa. My Africa is everybody's poor, corrupt, uneducated, and there's war. They've heard one story. And the danger of a single story is that we put people in boxes right? And you're all from different countries. I can tell just looking out there. And, and I know that when, when someone says, oh, I'm from Ethiopia, I get my little box out and I say, oh, Ethiopia is like this, right? But I haven't heard yet the other side of some of his, their stories. And I'm sure the Hungarians among us <laughs> think, yeah, these people think they've been to Hungary because they've come to Budapest. They haven't been to my village or my town. There's many hungeries, isn't there? There's many expressions of all of our stories. But when we meet people, we, we tend to put up this, oh, I've just got one story. Don't mess with it. That's what I think. And that's what I believe. And I don't have time to understand everything else. But that's when we don't deepen our relationships. And I want to talk about don't settle for a single story. Learn more, ask questions, talk to people, find out what's really happening. But what happens is that we, we false assumptions, and then we have a lot of fear, don't we, in our relationships. Sometimes we fear that if we will serve and love and be vulnerable, maybe no one will do that back to us and we will lose. And it's called this scarcity mentality. It's called if I give something to you, you have it now, and I don't. And, and sometimes we run into competition with each other. If they're your friend, well, I, then they're not my friend. I'm, I'm making this as basic as I can. Okay, <laughs> but we do this. Oh, they're friends with them. That means they can't be friends with me. Is there any ouches out there? <laughs> I, I'm speaking from experience. You know, when we come into a group and we think, oh, they're my competition, are they? Uh, It can happen between guys and girls, right? We see who the person we're interested in is talking to, and we think, okay, they're the competition. We do that, even in church, um, if we're honest. Another thing we do is we get very insecure. When things don't happen quickly, when we don't connect, when we suddenly don't feel like we belong, or or there's an off Sunday, you know, we we tend to go into this mode of comparing ourselves. Well, I'm not, I play the piano, but I don't play like Milan. I mean, goodness, I can't play like, you know, we compare ourselves, right? I can sing, but I can't sing like these guys. And I can, we start comparing, don't we? we? Yeah. And that puts us in a really bad place for developing good body relationships. So what we have to do is recognize our assumptions, recognize our fears, be honest about them, deal with them, and ask the Holy Spirit to help us not to be in competition with each other, not to compare ourselves to each other, just to know that we have been made special, unique, Everybody else is taken. You've got to do you. Everybody else is doing themselves. You do you. You are the one that will answer for you before the Heavenly Father one day. Here's a big one. Forgiveness. Oh, we are bad at this one. (laughs) We try really hard. We think we've forgiven. And then, boom, something happens again. And it's back in our face. And we're like, Oh, I obviously didn't forgive that person. I want to just tell you this. Forgiveness is not a feeling, forgiveness is a commitment of your will. Forgiveness says, I decide to forgive you because the Lord says, one, I need to, and it will free me. And I need to because the Bible says that when we don't forgive, God doesn't listen to our prayers. That's a very good incentive. And the Bible also says that that we have been forgiven much and therefore we need to forgive others. But it's hard, isn't it? It is hard. I want you to know this though, that when you commit to forgiving, you make that decision, it doesn't mean you're not going to remember it again. You will remember it. In fact, the enemy will make sure you remember how you were offended again because he likes to accuse you. He likes to accuse people. He will do that. And all you need to do when he brings it up again and says, excuse me, that's taken care of. I did that. I've forgiven them. I'm not gonna get into this discussion again. I want you to do that. When you decide to forgive somebody and then it keeps coming up in your face, I want you just to say, okay, enemy, I have, done, I have dealt with that. You are not to bring that up again. And in the name of the Holy Spirit, you forgive again. You forgive again. You just commit to forgiving. That's why Jesus said, oh, 70 times seven, maybe. (laughs) You just commit to it, and you don't pick up that grudge again. What happens if we don't do these things? If we get into false assumptions and fears and and all this um, forgiveness, lack of forgiveness, we end up flying solo. And this is where we really, this is where we are in a series now of talking about not flying solo. Sometimes we start thinking, well, you know, they're just not as spiritual as I am in there. (laughs) I got to go alone. God's told me to do this and they're not coming with me. I'm going to go because you know, time is short and we run ahead of others. And there's a saying in Africa that if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. And that is what this is all about. Yes, you can take off fast in some direction or pull back and let others go, but you will never go far together unless we stay together. It's all about staying together. And I'm so glad that you're all here tonight. You're not the ones that probably need this message tonight. The ones that didn't come maybe are the ones who really need it. But you know, the thing is that sometimes our character runs ahead of our calling. You know, in the business world, we get hired for our skills and fired for our character. Are you with me? And that can happen in church. We get, we get this anointing, we get these talents, we get these incredible things that God gives us. But if our character doesn't keep up with that or runs ahead of that, we can nullify everything that we're doing in, in, the, in the kingdom. Our character is so important. I can't emphasize that enough. We, we will not be known for what we've done. We will be known for who we've become. Are we becoming love to each other? Are we becoming love? We have to become love to each other. And here's the thing, and COVID made this even more difficult. We think we can be the church on our own, but we are not the church when we are on our own. I can watch church. I can sing along. I can worship on my own. But I can't be the church on my own because it takes one another to be patient with, to forgive, to bear with, to serve, to love, to exhort. I have to put the other back in one another. We cannot be the church on our own. So sometimes I I hear people say this to me all the time. I'm just going to stay home and have church. And I think, how are you going to do that? Who's going who's gonna to be there that you have to bear with or forgive or, or serve or love or be more patient with or who's there? Well, no, I'm just going to be the church by myself. It, it's ridiculous when we think about it, isn't it? So we are called to be together. Together is what it's all about. Remember, here's the principles. We have been joined together. We're all us. There's no us in them. We're all us. I know we all look different and I love coming to Budapest because there's all these different nationalities in front of me and I just feel so at home and it's wonderful, but we're actually all us. And what that means is, you know, Jesus said in Ephesians 2, 14 to 22, he said, he himself is our peace. Let's read this. Who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh, the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility." So who are the two he's talking about? He's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. And the Jews actually had a wall just outside one of their courts in the temple. It was called the Gentile wall, and it actually said on that wall, no Gentile can come any further. If they do, they will be killed she says that. Welcome to church. (laughs) You come any further, we'll kill you. It was terrible, this wall of hostility. And when Jesus came, he said, I'm making these two one. There's no longer us and them. We're all us. And it took both of them a while to trust that, to learn that, to grow together, to be together. One of my best friends says this, and it's supposed to be a joke, but I told her she has to stop saying it. She always says, you know, Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. (laughs) I'm like, you know, a lot of people would get offended with that crystal. You really have to stop with that one. No, 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 but it's true. She'll say it's true. He loves you, but I'm definitely his favorite. And, uh, you know, it's funny, but it's kind of not funny if we think that way. Right? right come on is there no commands out there <laughs> come on front row help me out here you see we've got walls in our head right God took the wall down but we put the walls back up in our heads and we have to get rid of them because we're all us yeah. and we have to recognize we have actually been rooted together now we we are there is actually no me 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 it's all we it's not me, it's we. In fact, in Ephesians 3, 16 to 19, this is what it says. You are built up. You are rooted and established in love, built up together. (laughs) It's when you're together you're built up. You will have power together with all God's people to grasp how wide and long and high and and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And if you're not together, you won't experience that. We will experience the fullness of the measure of God together when we learn how to listen to each other and walk together. And it takes time. Then... There's this wonderful verse that says, John 17, 23. I, it's Jesus, and he's talking to his father and he says, I am in them and you are in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. When we live in unity, people believe the gospel. When we don't live in unity, it's like putting graffiti on the cross. It's like saying, yeah, that's nice, but it doesn't really work. So when we try to live in unity, when we put aside our selfish ambitions or our insecurities or our stuff, the Holy Spirit is so pleased and he comes and he empowers us together. And he fills us to the fullness of of the measure of God. And we know this verse, Psalm 133, 1 and 3, how pleasant it is when God's people live in unity. Can you you finish it with me? For there the Lord commands his blessing. And how many of you came tonight for blessing? Of course you did. I did. I need to be blessed by God and experience his presence and know his pleasure. And I do it when I live in unity with you and you live in unity with me. Last one, remain, remain. We have to have a little bit more patience and stay the course. Trust the process, trust that it's going to happen. Trust that God is going to bless. Trust that he's going to bring us together as we bear with one another and forgive one another and love one another and serve one another and all the one another's. This love, this togetherness, this unity must have been in the top of Jesus' mind when he said to his disciples, listen, if you remember nothing else, love one another. If you remember nothing else, a new command I give you love one another and John 15 don't disconnect. don't 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 cut yourself off from the vine you will die and and I learned this one time um, several years ago. Um, someone said this and it really it really struck home to me He said the enemy's a sniper and when when you take off from the group, you're easy to pick out. And but when you're together, when you're together, it's a lot harder for a sniper to find you in the middle of a group that is being rooted and built and established and growing in the measure of the fullness of Christ. We are much harder to pick out. <laughs> Stay together. Stay together. Galatians 3.3 3 says, are you so foolish that after beginning by means of the spirit, you're now trying to finish by means of the flesh? And what that means is so many times we start out on our spiritual journey and we're just full of all these words of faith and we've been given words and we're excited about them. And then this stuff happens and we begin to think, well, now you see that there it is. It's happening again. There it is. Nothing's different. Nothing's different and we take off and we start walking in the flesh instead of in, instead of in the spirit and i want to encourage you tonight don't finish in the flesh what you've started in the spirit stay the course trust the process god is going to keep his covenant with you so continue Colossians 2, 6, and 7 says, to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. You see it all the time in these memes that we get, you know, on um, Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever you're on, and they're all saying, you don't need those people in your life. They're just toxic, get rid of them, right? Have you seen those? And, And they sound good, but the Bible says, bear with them, love them, forgive them, serve them, grow with them, together you will be more like me. It's not what the Bible says. I know there are toxic people that you need some distance, but we're not to give up on people. We're not in a position to just say, well, I don't need you in my life, and I don't need you in my life, and I don't need you in my life. Yeah, I'll take him and her and her, because they agree with me. We are not being asked to do that. We're being asked to come together as very different people with very different um, attitudes and different gifts and different strengths and weaknesses. And that's what makes us church because God makes us, God makes us into a family. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. What happens here? Isn't that exciting? Come on out there. Thank you. Thank you, Toby. I really appreciate that. So what are our healthy practices? I want to make this really simple at the end here. Okay. First of all, listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. Get rid of the us-them language in your head. Get rid of it. There's a difference between using good judgment and standing in judgment over somebody else. There's a difference. And we need to learn that difference. Listen to yourself. Are you starting to say, well, they always and they never and they, but we... No, 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 no. We're all us. Remember, we're all us. And then I want you to do another thing, and that is listen long to each other. Ask questions. How are you? Where are you from? How's it being here? How can I help? How can I serve you? Can I make this church more like family for you? What do do you see? What are you thinking? Listen to each other. Henry Blackaby says this, I cannot know the will of God for me without you. That's quite a strong statement. Now, there's times when we have to go into solitary and seek and God gives us specific things. But to really live out the will of God, I actually need you. And you need me. And I'm so glad you do. (laughs) And we belong. We mustn't settle for the danger of a single story. We mustn't dismiss each other's stories. We must listen to each other. That will start this whole process going a whole lot better for us. My friend Steve Kennedy um, tells how his wife will often change the furniture in the living room when when he's out. How many hate that when you come in and the whole room's different and you were just going to sit there or plunk your stuff there and you think, or you trip over a chair as you come in. And he said, what he used to do, he'd come in and go, Colleen's done it again. And then he'd think, now wait a minute, let me go sit in this chair, which is in a different place. And he'd just sit there for a while and he'd say, well, you know, she's, she's seen something I didn't see. Look at that. I can learn to sit in this chair. Look, I never noticed that picture on the wall. I've always been facing that way. And he said he just decides to look at it from her perspective. And when he does that, he begins to see things he never saw before. So instead of getting mad at her every time he'd come home and he'd trip over the chair, he'd think, oh, Colleen's got a new perspective again. And he's present with it. And the last thing you have to do, of course, is keep listening to God. Keep, listen to yourself, listen to each other, listen to God and humble yourself before him. Abide. There's a phrase I learned quite a few years ago. It's called live dead. And what that means is it's not our lives anymore. <laughs> it's his life. I'm, I'm dead to that. I'm dead to the world, right? I'm now alive in Christ, and I've got to live dead to the, and, and give my life for you, give my life for others. And you know what the Lord says when we do that? Do you know what will happen? I think this is the most wonderful promise. He says that his joy will be in us and our joy will be full. We're not talking about depriving yourself and and being miserable. We're talking about serving and living for others and finding complete joy. Don't you want some joy tonight? I do. And we find it when his joy is in us, and when our joy then becomes complete. Last story. At funerals, they always tell stories about little things, don't they? They'll talk about what the person did, and where they went, and what they accomplished. But then somebody will get up and say... Oh, what you don't know about him is he was kind to me. I remember when. Are you with me, those of you who have gone to funerals? And it's the little stories that make everybody human. But one of my favorite funeral stories was Billy Graham. How many know Billy Graham, the name Billy Graham? Some of you do, some of you don't. Very, very famous evangelist years ago. And very, very, like, A worldwide name. Everybody knew that name. And his daughter, he was a preacher, obviously, and went around the world. One of his daughters got divorced twice. And she told the story at his funeral. (laughs) Here she was, the daughter of Billy Graham. How's that for pressure? You got to be perfect. And she's coming home to tell her daddy that her second marriage just broke up. And as she was coming, she thought, what is Daddy going to say? What is Daddy going to say? And as she got out of the car, Billy Graham came out of his house. He just put his arms wide open, and he said, welcome home. Welcome home. And she knew that it was safe to come in. And I just want to say to you as we go through this series today, (laughs) it's not me, it's we. That's what we have to do for each other. When we see each other, not just in church, but on the street or in a home, we just have to say, welcome home. I'll be your family. We'll do this together. We'll face the stuff out there. But we will be strong together. Amen.